Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from student pastor Sam Seeley. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Are we doing good this morning? Awesome. 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 I get so nervous right now, <laughs> every time. Uh, this is B-Team Sunday. This is B-Team Sunday. Uh, this is what happens when the student pastor comes in and, and uh, is the relief pitcher for the week. Uh, Josh is taking a much-needed break. He's taking a couple weeks. Uh, so I'm, I'm here today. We'll have a guest speaker next week as well. Uh, so he's here. So it feels like I'm kind of like uh, giving like a class presentation, you know, and I'm like talking about the water cycle and like the teachers in the back of the room, you know. Uh, so that is, that is kind of the vibe today. But I'm excited to be with you. Uh, temper your expectations a bit. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be out of here in just a minute. Um, this sermon is an excerpt from a series that we did back at the beginning uh, of the school year. It's called Soul Care. Um, the series is called Soul Care uh, because it centers around the self-care of your soul. A pretty simple uh, idea there. Because we as human beings, we're not created just body and mind, but we're also created body, mind, and soul. Uh, now, there's a lot of emphasis on taking care of your body. There's a lot of emphasis, especially in like the last couple decades, of taking care of your mind, your mental health. Uh, but you have to take care of your soul too. Your soul is a part of who you are, and when you let it, you know, just kind of wither and dry, you are leaving out a very core, poor, a core part of who you are and your self-care. And so this series kind of centered around that, and we talked a lot about it. We, um, when it comes to soul care, there are certain parts of the routine that often are super fun and easy, uh, and then there are parts that are not so fun. And we're going to be talking about one of those today. But let's talk about something that's kind of fun. Uh, I, first off, I go to dinner with, with Josh and his family probably once a week or so, me and Chrissy do, which means I'm around a toddler that is not my kid a lot. Uh, and I love, I love Emery. She's so funny. Uh, she's back there and she might have just said my name, which is so cute. Um, but uh, dude, she is so funny and we teach her awful things at the dinner table where we teach her to like bang her fists on the table and say like, I'm hungry. Uh, and that's great. Uh, we, we, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then the best thing about having a toddler that's not yours is that when she starts to get fussy, you can kind of lean back and be like, hey man, you're going to take care of your kid, you know, um, which is awesome. Uh, I, I want nothing more than, be, than to be a dad one day. So it's just, I get to kind of live vicariously through Josh and that it's great. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is the kids are a little picky little picky eaters, and so I eat around this child often, and there are definitely foods that are way more fun to eat than others. Uh, Emery loves cookies, and she loves french fries, and she says both of them in a really funny way. She says cookies, which is great, uh, but when it comes to like real food, she's like, uh, I'll eat it if I have to, you know? Like when it comes to like meat and potatoes, when it comes to vegetables, she's like, uh, I mean, if I have to, and she does. She eats a full, you know, full balanced diet, but you know, there are definitely foods more fun, and we as adults know that too. There are foods that are way more fun than others. Uh, foods that are way more fun than others. Real food is what she needs to grow, what we need to grow and live a healthy life, uh, but that is so much less fun than like cookies and fries. Uh, Christians treat some parts of soul care like cookies and fries. There are parts that we love. We love praise. Praise comes supernaturally to us. We are built to praise, right? Uh, Austin has a great gig where he gets to lead people in worship. That is such a fun job, <laughs> to lead people in praise and worship. Uh, it comes easy to us, uh, and it's super, super important. It's part of the soul care routine. Praise all the time. 
But there's a part of it that we kind of neglect and part of it that we don't really look at. Some Christians just outright avoid it or don't even know that it's important. Uh, And we're talking about that today. It's called lamenting. Lamenting is what we're talking about today. Uh, So what is that? I think sometimes we in our Christianese kind of circles, uh, we, we kind of say it so much that we forget what it means. And what is lament? A lament is a strong outpouring of grief or regret. Uh, it's an honest recognition and an outpouring of what we feel on our, in our soul, soul deep. Uh, when we've been a part of a tragedy, when we've been a part of a bad situation, when we've been hurt or been a part of hurting others, right? That is what lamenting it is, the outpouring of your soul. It's not just feeling sad. It is the outpouring of your soul. It is not just skin deep. It is to your core, right? It is deep, deep emotion. Uh, and can you see why it's already not so fun, Right? Uh, lamenting is so much more than just being sad. It's uncomfortable, and it's a vital first step in taking care of your soul. You have to do it. And I'm in no way, shape, or form uh, saying that I'm like the Michael Jordan of like feelings, because I'm not. Like I'm not good at this at all. You can ask my wife. I bury everything, and then one day it comes out, uh, and it's not so great when it does, right? Uh, but I'm not very good at this. And in no way, shape, or form do I want you to think that I'm the best. But I, I've learned a lot kind of doing this sermon and and talking about this series, and so I kind of want to share that with you today. Uh, So that takes us to where we're reading today in Psalm 13. If you'll turn there with me, Psalm chapter 13, we're going to read the whole thing. It's just uh, six verses. King David, no stranger to lamenting how he felt to the Lord, no stranger to sharing the contents of his uh, soul to God. Okay, so we're gonna look at a very prime example of what lament looks like in uh, scripture, starting with Psalm 13, uh, verse one, and this is David himself, and he writes, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You ever felt like that before? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And then there's a tone shift here. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. So we're going to have a few points, main ideas, takeaways, whatever you want to call them in your notes. The first one is this. When it comes to lamenting, if David can, we can. Uh, This summer, we took a group of students out to Camp Eagle. Um, I'm a student pastor, if y'all didn't know. Uh, You can probably tell by the way I'm dressed. Uh, We took a group of students out to summer camp, uh, and this session of our our summer camp this summer was centered around the life of David, which worked really well because we were learning about the life of David here on Sunday mornings at the same time. So it really paired very nicely. Uh, David is such an interesting guy. I love talking about David. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. Uh, The book of Psalms is filled with just different moments from his life, different poems that he wrote uh, during different like crisis moments of his life. And arguably some of his best ones are his saddest ones. Everybody loves sad songs, right? Otherwise Taylor Swift wouldn't have a career. Um, uh, But Psalm 13, this is a psalm that David wrote uh, during the time where he was kicked out of the, the courtroom and Saul was after him. 
So this is a moment in time where David is writing, he feels betrayed by someone who was like a father to him. He feels like he's at the end of his rope. He's sleeping in caves. He's afraid for his life. The friends that are with him might turn on him in a moment if it means that they might be in the king's favor, you know? This is where we see David and where David writes Psalm 13. So we see the outpouring of that, okay? He feels forgotten. He feels alone. He feels like no one is at his side. And his soul, he says, it feels so dry that it feels like he's at death's door, right? Friendly reminder, we know David's story. This is the future king of Israel, right? This is the future king of Israel. This guy's already slayed a giant. He's killed lions, right? This is the man after God's own heart. This is a warrior. This is a poet and a musician. He's so larger than life, but he's still so human and so relatable. That's why we like him so much, okay? Psalm 13 shows us a man at the end of himself, He's exhausted all his options. He's got nowhere left to go. But at the end of his rope, we see this shift in verse five. David recognizes that his only hope is in the Lord. He's one of my favorite Bible passages or Bible figures um, because he's so human, he's so relatable. And if David felt this way, uh, then it is okay for you to feel this way, Okay? It is okay for you to feel this way because if you want to take good care of your spiritual health, you want to take good care of your soul, then you're going to need to grieve your losses. You're going to need to uh, grieve your disappointments. You're going to need to bring that to the Lord because when we don't allow ourselves to grieve, we're essentially robbing ourselves, thank you, Emery, we're essentially robbing ourselves of an authentic relationship with the Lord because real relationships are kind of messy. And when we don't bring that before the Lord, we're robbing ourselves of an authentic relationship until we allow ourselves time, space to lament, to give that contents of our soul, no matter how dirty it might seem, to the Lord. We're turning ourselves into a pressure cooker of, of resentment, of bitterness, right? And some of you, maybe you're walking through that right now. I know I've been there. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day, I'm a, I'm a, like I said, I'm a student pastor, so I'm talking to teenagers all the time, and I'm not super far removed from their, you know, school experience, uh, but it's funny because we didn't go to the same schools, we, you know, we didn't know the same people, but I definitely know types of people like they did, you know, everybody knew, and you probably know the same kind of like people, remember like horse girl, <laughs> remember the girl in high school who just loved horses so much, like I remember her, uh, but there was another kid that I feel like everybody knew, and he was the kid that like never wore anything other than shorts, like even if it was like snowing outside, like he always, and then he, and if you talk to him about it, he was, it wasn't because of anything other than just like, I don't get, I don't get cold, you know, that was, and I remember like being in the bus line with that kid, and it's like, you know, like less than, it's 20 degrees outside, and we're all bundled up, and he's over there like in his like, you know, his Nike shorts, and he's like freezing, and it's like, hey man, do you like want to go inside? And he's like, no, I'm, I don't get cold, I don't get cold. Uh, I don't know why there needs to be like needless suffering, <laughs> you know? But I feel like Christians, somewhere along the line, it became virtuous for us to just kind of like suffer in silence, keep it to ourselves. I don't know where we got the idea that like just keeping it all bottled up and putting it on the top shelf and like hoping it never sees the light of day. I don't know where we thought that made us holier or more righteous, but like we've been sold a lie, you guys. We've been sold a lie. 
okay? Uh, there is no reason for us to needlessly suffer that. I'm not sure when it happened. Men were especially bad at this. Guys, I'm gonna step on your toes a second. Give me, give me a break. Uh, I love Man Night so, so very much. Man Night is one of my favorite things we do here at the church. It's once a month. Come see us first Sunday of the, of the month. Uh, it's great. The first night we did Man Night a couple years ago, we had a huge turnout, like 50 guys. It was great. Uh, thing is, they didn't know what we did yet. <laughs> and when it comes to Man Night, we, we, you know, we have like our Bible study, we do the thing. Uh, but then we all go into like, like debrief sessions and we talk and we like kind of get real with each other and we answer some really hard questions. Uh, nobody showed up after that. <laughs> we didn't get that the next month because guys don't like doing that. We don't like doing that. And I don't know why we think it makes us stronger or, or, or you know, if we share what we think or how we feel, it makes us weaker in some way. I don't know where it comes from because Jesus himself in Matthew chapter five, uh, top of the Sermon on the Mount, um, this is what he says. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He doesn't say weaker. He doesn't say shamed. He says blessed. So what are we doing keeping it to ourselves, right? When we bring our grief to the Lord, when we lament the contents of our soul, we will be comforted. We will be comforted. Do not rob yourself of that. This takes us to the idea number two, um, when it comes to lamenting, it's not a professional relationship. It's not. Um, I've shared my story uh, with some of you guys before, especially the youth, obviously. Um, when I came in view of a call, uh, now like four and some change years ago, uh, I, I kind of came up here and gave like a super, like Cliff Notes version of, of you know, my story. Um, and so some of you might know it, but I grew up in a Christian home. I, I grew up, uh, living a block away from my country little Baptist church and I, I went every day the doors were open uh, my mom was building in grounds my dad was there anytime the doors it was great we loved it um, I was I was saved and baptized after a VBS in 2007 so that should give me some time to you know that now you know how old I am um, it was game day central if anybody remembers that VBS anybody no okay that's fine um, it was the sports one. <laughs> uh, I remember, you know, being baptized after that, and my father was the one who actually got to, to do the, the baptism. It was awesome. Uh, three months later, my father passed away of lung cancer. And I remember being, like, super on fire for the Lord and just loving the Lord, and then all of a sudden feeling very betrayed, super confused. And I spent several years of my life just kind of in this limbo of going to church. My family leaned into church. We wanted to be there but we also didn't want anybody to know we weren't okay, <laughs> right? So we got really good at pretending. We got really, really good at it. Um, and I carried that, and I thought that's just what you did. I thought, that, 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 that's, what, that's what grief must be, is pretending, right? Pretending that it doesn't hurt, pretending that it's all okay, right? And that's not. <laughs> and so uh, my wife has to deal with me being, you know, that emotionally unhealthy, you know? We've known each other for, for 10 years now. So she met me during that point, you know, where I was just, I didn't know what it meant to be emotionally healthy. I didn't know what it meant to really grieve, right? And so I resented my family for many years. I resented the Lord, but I was still serving God. I was worshiping. I led worship for many years when I was a teenager. Uh, and I love that. Praise is easy. That's the cookies and the fries, right? But I didn't want to really give up the contents of, of what I felt. I didn't want to tell God what I really thought. 
how I felt betrayed, anything like that. But it wasn't until I got my heart right that I brought that to the Lord that I felt closer with him than ever. If you wanna heal, if you wanna get your heart right, then you have to bring that to the Lord, right? I used to think that my relationship with Jesus, it needed to be like strictly professional, you know? Like we both show up in suit and tie and we like shake hands and look each other in the eye and like sit down, you know, that, that, that's not... That's not what he asks of us. Like, I think a lot of young, like newer Christians think that way. I think we think that this is you know, strictly professional and I'm like, I'm new to the job and you know, I don't wanna tell the boss what I think because it might mean I'm cleaning out my office. You know? but that's, not what, that's not what God wants from us. God does not want a, a business professional. He wants you, all of you, all of you. He does not ask for a handshake and eye contact. He just wants you. He just wants you. I think it's a lie from Satan himself that we think we have to like shy away from giving the Lord what we feel, right? Like he's over here and he's saying, whoa, 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 that's the big man upstairs. You can't tell him how you really feel. But we can. That's what he wants. God wants all of us. And when you practice lament, when you acknowledge your grief, when you acknowledge your sorrow, when you acknowledge your shortcomings, your failures, whatever it might be, when you draw near to the Lord, because that's what you're doing, you will feel you will feel his presence. No matter how broken you are, no matter how dry your soul is, he promises to restore us. He promises to water our soul in those moments. And that takes us to the third idea. When it comes to lamenting, we are emotional by design. It's not a, it's not a, a flaw, okay? This is how David ends Psalm 13. Let's reread that, verse five. David says, but I have trusted in your faithful love, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he's treated me generously. David ends this psalm with a moment of hope. He recognizes that the way he feels, uh, those are real feelings, y'all. They ain't going nowhere. You gotta do something with them. So you have to acknowledge them. But he knows that they will not last forever. Right? I've trusted in your faithful love, Lord. I'll rejoice in your deliverance. These feelings, they, will, they have an expiration date. You know, They're not always gonna be here, but you always will. Right? Feelings never change, but God, or excuse me, feelings change, but God doesn't. Right? God's goodness always is steadfast. Right? Feelings aren't. And some people, you've heard Josh say this exact thing from this stage before, some people on one side of the extreme you know, uh, they think every feeling that you feel, there's no room for it in your faith. Keep it out, <laughs> you know, put it up on the shelf, bottle it, like bury it, you know, because your feelings, they can't be trusted. You're sinful, right? There's that side of the extreme. And what happens is those people bottle it all up and then one day something happens. There's a crisis of faith moment because all of a sudden those feelings are out and we know how you really feel. That's what happens. And those people have huge crisis of faith moments because they buried something for so long. And on the other side of the extreme, there are people who just live their life dictated by how they feel. They're so impulsive and they make every decision based off of how they're feeling in the moment. And they give their feelings so much weight. So where should we be? Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, okay? There's nothing good in the extremes, okay? Somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. Are your feelings real? Yes. Are you sinful and should you trust them? Uh, No, but yes, right? 
You need to make sure that you acknowledge your feelings. They are very, very real, but you are also a sinful human being. Because you're a sinful human being, you can't trust them all the time. Are they rooted in some truth? Maybe. But you can't let your feelings uh, dictate your life either, right? So where should we be? Somewhere in the middle, okay? God created us with feelings. Feelings are not a, a design flaw. They aren't something that comes with sin. We have feelings from the beginning. We are image bearers of God. By design, he gave them to us. They're a gift. They're a gift. Your feelings are a gift. Sorry, men, your feelings are a gift, right? We're not created to be like robots. We're, not, we're, we're created to feel. God himself feels. Jesus, we see feel. We see Jesus mourn, right? Our feelings are affected by sin, though, so we can't always give them the weight that we think we should, right? It might feel like you're stuck at a dead-end job. It might feel like your marriage is on the ropes. It might feel like you are walking a directionless and purposeless life. And I'm not here to say that those feelings aren't rooted in maybe in a little bit of truth, right? But I can promise you that those feelings belong at the feet of Jesus, right? If we're gonna start taking care of our souls, we're gonna start taking care of that third, very crucial part of who we are, then we're gonna have to acknowledge this. We're gonna have to acknowledge our feelings. We can't just ignore them anymore. But we also can't give them the weight that we're tempted to. The only thing we can trust in this life is the Lord. He is the one truth we can all rest on, right? He's unchanging, he's steadfast. And he promises to comfort us in our sorrow and strengthen us in our weakness. And when our soul is at its driest, he's the rain bringer, baby. He gives it to us. And as we wrap up, I, I wanna end with a passage uh, from Revelation 21. Um, Austin's on his way up, you heard me. I don't think we talked about a cue there. <laughs> uh, as we wrap up, uh, this is what uh, the, the disciple John writes in Revelation 21, four. He says, talking of Jesus, he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. They're gone. Take heart, Christian. There's a day coming soon when this sermon is obsolete. <laughs> there will not be anything to lament anymore, right? We won't have to bring anything before the Lord anymore. There won't be anything to bring, right? But why wait until you're in the throne room to get real? Why wait until you're in the throne room of the Lord himself to be authentic with him? You are given an opportunity right now in the here and now, this life, to have an authentic relationship, to get a little taste of heaven, a little taste of eternity. And so many of us ignore the vegetables. So many of us ignore the vegetables because they're not fun. They're not fun. Full surrender, that, eh, that's not fun. But you need to. If you want an authentic taste of what eternity will be like, don't ignore the vegetables. So many of us ignore them. Maybe it's time for you to dig up those feelings and, and lay them at Jesus' feet because you've been burying them, right? <laughs> you've got a map marked, you've got the X, like you've got them buried, man, and you don't want anybody to find it, right? I don't know where you're at today with that, but if you've got those feelings, they belong with the Lord. He's the only one who can do something about them. Maybe it's time that you just need to stop pretending that it's somehow virtuous to keep it inside, that suffering and silence makes you stronger. It doesn't, it makes you weaker. 
Suffering in silence is not good. That is a lie from Satan that we think we, could, we would, you know, we're stronger somehow to just keep it in. Don't bring that to the Lord. No, take it to him. He's the only one who can do something about it. If your soul's dry, why, you know, why not go to the rain bringer, right? Maybe it's time for you to, to get a little bit unprofessional in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been bra- praying some very polite, uh, very, very uh, weak <laughs> prayers where you kind of go through the motions. We love to praise. It's not so fun to tell him what we think. It's not so fun. Maybe it's time for you to get unprofessional. Maybe it's time for your relationship to stop being like eye contact and handshake and maybe a little bit more unprofessional whatever that might look like for you. Maybe it's time for you to get your feelings in check because you've been on one side of the extreme somewhere. Maybe you've just let them run your life and you are so impulsive because of how you feel in the moment and you make some bad decisions because of how you feel in the moment or you're on the other side of it and you think that feelings are just a wrong, like they should, they were a design flaw. That's not true either. You can't live your life like a robot. God didn't make you a robot. He made you an image bearer of his glory to show into the world. Maybe it's time for you to stop ignoring the vegetables in your life because it's just easy to ignore them. It's way more fun to eat the cookies than the fries. And if you want to start taking care of your soul, you cannot ignore the vegetables anymore. Let's pray. Father God, I am incredibly thankful. Father, that we don't have a relationship with you where we have to keep it professional. But Father, you want all of us. You want all of us. You want to see every part of our soul. God, you want us to lay that bare. You want us to fully surrender. But God, there are so, so many of us that that is just so hard to do. Father, we might have feelings that we've been burying. God, we might have, have thoughts and grieves and sorrows uh, that we just, we just want to lay at your feet but don't know how. I, fa- I pray, Father, that you would open that door today. God, I pray that people would get a little unprofessional today in how they address you and how they talk to you. Father, because you want all of us. You want the real us. Father, I pray that you would uh, give us a heart to want that today. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room who's been living on one side of the extremes when it comes to their emotions, Father, I pray that you would show them where to be. Father, if anybody's living impulsively, I pray that you would just quell them back to the middle. Father, if there's anybody who's ignoring how they feel, I pray that you would give them guidance. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to make this important because it is so important to you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.